to the ether today is wednesday february 9th 2022 this episode of the ether is brought to you by orbital command a community validator on terra dedicated to educating expanding and promoting the lunatic community visit oc's what we do page using the link in the show notes to take advantage of some of their other educational resources including weekly meetups to discuss terra protocols strategies and concepts the terra luna intel report on telegram and youtube explainer videos on terra concepts you can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. This episode of the Ether is also brought to you by WeFund. WeFund is a community crowdfunding cross-chain incubator on Terra, and it's the first launchpad that implements a milestone funding release system to protect investors. All money raised for projects is deposited in Anchor Protocol, and it's refundable, and all decisions are based on community voting power. WeFund is community-focused and designed to be a user-friendly experience for both project creators and investors. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the Telegram for more information. Links are in the show notes and check them out online at wefund.app. TerraSpaces appreciates the support of all our sponsors. Today on the Ether, we have the Ox Ventures Shade Protocol Privacy Preserving Stablecoin on Secret Network Space. Let's take a listen. What's up? How's it going? Carter, and we can get started. I guess we're a couple minutes early, to be honest. Yeah, we can give it a couple minutes, anyways. But yeah, excited for this one. Should be should be a good one. I know, I know, I'm ready to learn more about this. Uh, definitely a good this one. Is in perfect timing, we can talk about Silk in terms of you know Terra sponsoring the Washington uh, baseball team, the Nationals, and the UST being accepted, which begs the question, which I'm going to ask when he's on, is. Now that they can accept UST, does that mean they can see my wallet full of Wafu uh, JPEGs? That's really what I need to know. <laughs> Damn, I must be sleeping. I didn't even see that that was officially announced. I knew there was the rumor, but that must have just come out, what, in the last, just today? Yeah. About the team? Yeah. Oh, damn. That's kind of, I mean, it's, it's great news, but also kind of creepy. I don't really want more. I feel like that's like a new level of advertisement that's going to come out. Yeah, targeted ads I mean, directly to your wallet. Ooh, yeah, that's that's strange. Yeah, I mean, maybe too much personal opinion here, but like, yeah, the whole like, I don't know, sponsoring sports teams, things in general, like, all seems a bit odd just to me personally. Oh. <laughs> Not. It's a great way to attract a user base and people who I can see it. People who watch sports, a lot of them like to bet. And therefore, a lot of them are more open trying apps and such, you know. Yeah, true. True, yeah. There's got to be things to, like, bridge to the mainstream. Carter is a gigachad. He's he's extremely bright. One of the smartest people I know. Oh, he's here. There he is. Sweet. What up? 
Nothing much. You made it. Yeah, at the la- at the last second, you know, I got the the back to back to back. Always a good time. I'm sure. I'm sure you're a busy man. Well, welcome. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, this is Carter. He's the core contributor or one of the core contributors to Shade Protocol, which is a privacy preserving protocol on the Secret Network. Maybe you can give a better intro than I can. Yeah, I mean. Shade Protocol, the goal is to be an array of connected privacy-preserving DeFi applications. Um, We believe that privacy within the context of financial applications is equitable and key to unlocking um, a huge percentage of of value if we're going to integrate Web3 to Web2 and see that level of global adoption. So Shade Protocol is... Our, our aim is, is, is vast. We want to launch every single key um, financial primitive that exists within DeFi. We want to connect all of them and have all the value accrual under, under the Shade token. Um, Shade protocol is built on Secret Network, uh, which is the only live on mainnet uh, layer one that has privacy preserving uh, smart contracts. It's a Cosmos chain connected to IBC, Ethereum, Monero, a BSC, it's an extremely interoperability-focused privacy hub. So, yeah, that's the brief intro there on the protocol since, since you asked. Well, I guess we can start off today with, I, was, I think I messaged you earlier, about you're going to, you know, you know, you're launching Shade, which is going to have a stable call, a stable coin called Silk. And in a lot of ways, it's comparable to what everyone knows is UST. And with today's announcement of the, you know, the Washington Nationals accepting UST as currency at the games. Uh, you know, I made a comment earlier before you joined about people being, you know, now the processor, whoever that is, is now going to be able to see your whole wallet history. All the uh, creepy uh, NFT JPEGs that you have on your wallet and whatever else you've done. And that's, I feel like that's going to take a new level of targeted marketing. Um, what do you think about that? No, I mean, I mean, I totally agree. It's it's also like you can draw correlations between a real life event and like an on chain interaction, right? That, that that brings in a whole new host of security risks. Like, what if someone uses a UST transaction on chain to purchase something there, and someone's able to draw that correlation and identify this person at this physical location is attached to this massive amount of wealth, right? That's like a legitimate security risk that right now, like. In Web two, we trust banks and encryption to like hide a lot of that information, right? Like when I swipe my card, I don't need to worry about anyone in the world knowing how much is in my bank account attached to like a debit card, right? But because we're living in this world of totally transparent blockchain, there's a whole new set of attack vectors that it's honestly it's even worse than Web two, right? Like and it's totally transparent, totally immutable. So yeah, it's definitely concerning and. I think this privacy narrative is obfuscated around the concept that if we integrate these totally transparent blockchains with like an intermediary, then we can solve for that privacy problem. But that defeats the very purpose of the original goal of cryptocurrency, which is true peer-to-peer transactions. We have to have some sort of middleman between a totally transparent blockchain using UST and like the merchant and the vendors on on the other side. So. It, it seems like we're recreating problems that we were intentionally trying to avoid in the first place. And we're doing it in the name, name of adoption, but it's because we're not solving for the privacy problem. 
And I, I think Shade Protocol with, with Silk is, is uniquely positioned to solve that. That's wild. You're blowing my mind already. Um, I feel like privacy is like, in terms of philosophy, an area that I value a lot, but I haven't given it enough attention. So definitely something to dive deeper in. Like, like you said, you could be what, uh, paying for UST, uh, for a hot dog at the baseball game. And then somebody realizes your account is linked to an account with hundreds of millions of dollars. And, um, they can see that they could basically, they could basically track you down even in the, in the real world through that. That's pretty terrifying. (laughs) Well, and that's the crazy part is like, this is, this is, immutable transparency this like this like if you think about like your web 2 data print it, it's fractured among many different databases still dangerous still not ideal still many improvements but like at a minimum that digital identity gets fractured across the line versus this is a perfectly immutable trail of like who you are within the context of that transparent blockchain and like i said i i love seeing stablecoin adoption the question is when will the world wake up to the value of privacy within peer-to-peer transactions when, as it pertains to vendors and merchants and, and real-world situations. So we'll, we'll find out. My theory is very, very soon. What, what I'm worried about, to be honest, is that the, this type of adoption sick. I think it's fantastic news. But also, something bad can happen, transpire from this situation. And then immediately people will say, well, see, like we always said crypto is dangerous or something like that. But that can happen with anything, you know. If someone sees you wear like a really expensive watch, and they can, easily, you know, track you down or whatever it is, you know, this is kind of like I feel like a step in that direction. It's going to sound pretty crazy, but the adoption's great. But the consequences people don't really realize. These are real world, you know, real world problems that you're, you know, that's being created because everything's kind of public, which is great, but also bad. And and I and I don't I don't want to like fear monger here, right? Like that's 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 not the the purpose of this conversation. Like conversation, it's there there is a component of fear involved. But I, I think simply put, Web three is all about improving Web two, and total transparency attached to immutability is a step back from Web two as it pertains to security. So I. We need to solve it. It has to be solved. And I think Secret Network as a tech stack is beautifully positioned to be able to solve all of this. Shade Protocol with Silk as a stablecoin is positioned to be an application that proves the value of that and, and, and an actual using of the underlying tech stack to, to solve for these problems we're talking about. Yeah, great. I totally agree. So let's talk about the fun stuff. How does Silk work? How are we keeping the peg here? Sure. So Silk uses the Terra Luna seniorage mechanism. Essentially, you have a target peg. And whenever the secondary market is trading above the peg, there is an opportunity to burn shade, mint silk. This minting of the silk expands the supply of silk. And there's an arbitrage opportunity that can be realized um, whenever any user in the world goes and, you know, burns the shade, mints the silk, sells it on the secondary market, it, put, it applies sell pressure that pushes the price of silk back to the target peg. And you have the inverse scenario as well, where if silk is ever trading under the target peg, um, we can use a dollar as an example, although silk isn't using a dollar peg. Um, if silk was trading at 98 cents and we want it to be at a dollar, there's an opportunity for people to burn 
one silk worth 98 cents for a dollar worth of shade. And this reduces the active circulating supply and pushes silk back to peg. Now, traditionally within the Terra Luna model, there is retail and institutional arbitrage players that maintain um, the peg of UST. So UST is not backed directly by collateral. UST is backed by an immense amount of collateral arbing peg disparities. So it's it's a it's a subtle but not so subtle difference between collateralized stablecoins like Dai, um, and there's a lot of security in having this massive arbitrage community helping maintain the peg. Now, we saw what Terra did, and we said, how can we improve on the stability mechanism that they're using? And what we realized is we could add on one, well, essentially two new entities into the arbitrage game on top of retail and institutional arbitrage players. And those two entities are first, shade staking collateral gets deposited into an ARB contract that also helps maintain the peg. And additionally, treasury collateral from the shade DAO also participates in this open market arbitrage. So instead of having to rely purely on retail and institutional players to maintain the peg for your stablecoin, we now have essentially created a decentralized monetary policy and two massive entities in the game to add even additional stability to the underlying peg. So Silk in that sense, separate from this auditable privacy component that we've talked about as being wildly important, um, has innovated on stability of an algorithmic stablecoin within its own right. And finally, as the cherry on top, we take it one step further because Silk is pegged to a basket of global currencies and commodities. Uh, we feel very strongly that if you believe the future of DeFi is the US dollar, you're thinking way too short term. Um, we have an opportunity to create new currencies that are more stable than anything else that's ever been created. And that's, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about the, the vision of Silk, how it works, and how it improves upon some well-known existing algorithmic models. Um, so I actually, you know, I spent quite a bit of time talking to you about the detail. I'm a huge fan of baskets. Um, what, you know, we obviously are using this type of model, but what makes this kind of basket type, I guess, peg protection much more, you know, at this time, you're not only using seniorage, but you're also using a basket. Why do you think this basket is just more secure in terms of keeping this peg? Well, the, the composition of the peg is different than the stability mechanisms that keep it at peg, right? So ultimately, when you pick a basket, that is what creates like a target price. Like for instance, for Silk, more than likely it's gonna be targeting about a dollar and five cents. Um, all the different currencies, commodities have different weights. And when you sum them all together, they add up to that target peg price, right? So I, I, you have to, we do have to divorce the concept between uh, things that contribute stability to maintaining a peg versus where the target price is at. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll pause there if you wanna ask a question about that, but they are, they are two, different, two different concepts. Chad, what do, you, do you have any questions? Um, uh, no thoughts on that specifically. Um, I actually real quick, I, I just wanna zoom out and remind people that uh, we will do Q and A for everyone uh, more towards the end. So think up some questions and uh, give away a couple Xerox Ventures NFTs as well, one at random and one to a question asker. So so think up some stuff for the end if uh, if anything comes to mind. Um, 
not to change subjects from that, but a question that I did have was like how, um, and not to throw competitors under the bus or anything, but I am curious of just the competitive landscape. Like how, what is the fundamental difference between say like a, uh, like I, I know of like void, uh, and doing like a privacy enabled UST, um, like, can you kind of compare and contrast that a bit? Yeah. So I think this ultimately comes back to privacy technology comparisons. We're talking about hardware level encryption versus mixers, right? Versus ZK proofs. Like there's, there's lots of different solutions for providing privacy. So the thing with something like void is because Terra Luna as a tech stack was not built to be a layer one that has privacy by default, that type of privacy technology, while it does give privacy, introduces additional costs into the entire equation. And one of the unfortunate truths of Web3 is it seems like people prioritize costs over privacy, right? Until, until that equation becomes too extreme. So this is why Seeker Network, I think, services such a unique need because it was designed to have you know, extremely cheap fees while also maintaining the privacy. And the entire tech stack was designed for that specific larger concept. It means all of the solutions provided from Seeger Network are more scalable and are cheaper in, in, in the long run. Now, does this take away from Void Protocol? No, it, I, I fully believe that it can service the privacy solution potentially for USD. The question is, can it do it at scale and can it do it you know, cheaply, right? Um, and then separate from just the privacy component, Silk is differentiated on the additional stability mechanism, as well as being tied to a basket of global currencies and commodities. And probably most importantly, is all the other primitives that Silk are attached to with Shade Protocol and Secret Network. So the vision is already very large with Silk, but it's even larger when you consider the primitives that we're going to be building with Silk. Yeah, let's get into that a bit. I feel like that's probably where a lot of the interesting stuff is because I understand like this enables like with privacy by default, like all these various apps and like an entire private ecosystem essentially. So um, yeah, like what else kind of is, is coming there? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, okay. So we'll, we'll think about key primitives, key primitives here. So you have staking derivatives are one that we're going to have out of the gates. Um, we're going to be pen pending like uh, some final audit work. There's going to be a secret network staking derivative that emerges. Um, and that secret network staking derivative, um, a small percentage of those rewards goes back to the shade now. So that's the secret staking derivative. But we're also launching a generalized shade staking derivative. So there is shade staking attached to shade protocol. And out of the gates, we have a SNP20 Shade staking derivative token that redirects a percentage of rewards back to the Shade DAO. Um, we can launch shade staking derivatives with this generalized contract for any SNP20 token on Secret Network that's in a staking scenario. So even something like I think CFI has like a locked staking scenario on Secret Swap. We can make a staking derivative for that. Um, you can make a staking derivative for literally any locked scenario. And our goal is to unlock a huge percentage of value there and redirect you know, revenue back to shade stakers and the shade treasury. So that's that's one primitive. Second primitive we're super excited about is bonds. So we looked at Olympus DAO, we looked at a lot of these mechanics, and we decided that the Ponzi-nomics of staking are by far the most uninteresting part of Olympus DAO, but the protocol-owned liquidity 
and the ability to essentially acquire uncorrelated assets from the secondary market in return for treasury assets is an extremely compelling primitive that needed to be incorporated. So bonds will be there, staking derivatives will be there out of the gates. Um, and then from there, we have synthetic assets shortly afterwards. Um, it's essentially a generalization of the silk shade model, but instead it's targeting things like synthetic gold, um, synthetic cryptocurrency indexes. Sky's kind of the limit on that specific model. And the part I can't talk about on the primitive side is the fact that we've already partnered with multiple teams that are building primitives, key DeFi primitives that are going to be plugging directly into Shade Protocol. And the, the, the principles are simple. Every time a new primitive is launched, it doesn't have its own application token. Instead, all revenue is redirected to the Shade DAO. So just picture if you had DEXs, lending products, insurance products, stablecoin, name the primitive, all of them built out, all feeding stakers in the treasury based off of real utility and usage. It's essentially a massive revenue share model across key primitives. And I call, an, I call it an application layer protocol, um, which I suppose, yeah, there's, I'd, I'd have to really, I have some papers coming on in the future that will maybe talk about some of these concepts, but only after once it's, those concepts have been proven out. Um, but we, we, have, we have some wildly successful model, um, as opposed to the fractured attention and fractured value capture of existing application layer systems. So the... Uh, can you um, maybe a dumb question? But how are how are the synthetics minted? Are they just minted against um, silk? No. So actually, essentially, every synthetic asset has a stabilizer token attached to it. So you would have synthetic gold, and there's also a um, a stabilizer gold token that corresponds to it. Um, and this was a very intentional decision because we could have chosen to have all of these synthetic assets essentially backed by shade as the stabilizer token. But because no one has done an algorithmic peg for synthetic assets, we want to first prove that it works without that model. Um, so that's like a really important point, right? Mirror protocol, UMA on Ethereum, um, everyone has done over collateralized models for synthetics where you put up $150 worth of collateral and then you mint out like $100 worth of the synthetic token. Um, no one has done an algorithmic synthetic token model um, to date. So I think we're going to be the first to pull it off in, in time. I know Sunny brought up this concept, uh, this model using ION as the backing token and then having a bunch of synthetic assets. Um, I talk about that on the CryptoCedo podcast, some of the, the dangers of that concept and not having isolated group of stabilizer tokens per um, synthetic token. So. Essentially, you have your secondary, secondary. let's say we have synthetic gold, and in the real world, gold is $22. Um, if in the uh, secondary markets, you see synthetic gold go to $25, that's not a good thing, because you want it at the target price of $22. That's where the price stands in the real world. So just like there's an opportunity from shade to silk, when price is above peg, there would then be an opportunity to convert from stabilizer gold to synthetic gold, to expand the supply of the synthetic tokens and realize the arbitrage profits and push it back to peg. So hopefully that little micro example connects the dots between silk and shade versus synthetic assets and stabilizers. And all of this has privacy too. These are all privacy preserving synthetic assets.
And are the, can the synthetics go, are IBC as well? Like, can those go out and be like private synthetic gold anywhere in IBC? So this is the, the limitation of IBC is once you leave a tech stack, you don't get to inherit the underlying properties, right? Like if I move synthetic gold from Secret Network, the SNP20, and we move it to a different chain um, and actually bridge it, and there's something locked up on one side and something unlocked on the other, you've left the tech stack that fundamentally provides the privacy, right? However, there is a possibility with cross-chain smart contract calls where you could have an asset movement on another chain trigger an asset movement on secret network or a movement of data on secret network. So you could hypothetically with cross-chain smart, smart contract calls start to fully leverage all of these asset movements on secret network and trigger them on public chains. But we're at the earliest stages of realizing what that can look like. So RTX, anything to add on that? <clears throat> I go back and forth harder about this <clears throat> in terms of ion, <clears throat> but that's, um, excuse me. That's a convo for a different day. I, I think more importantly, what shade is doing. Well, what silk is doing, makes me more comfortable in terms of long-term peg protection. Now, again, I'm not going to, you know, talk shit on UST. Of course not. I think it's a very interesting and it's, you know, started this kind of algo stable coin. Um, but the fact that they basically created a centralized commission to maintain the peg, that's kind of the against... I guess they, they saw the possible depegging scenarios in bearish markets or in corrective markets. And, you know, this, this I'm a huge fan of indexes and baskets and the ability to add that in to a stable coin makes me quite comfortable in terms of holding on to it for a long time and not worrying about it because of the, you know, having less of a depeg risk. Now, not saying that UST will depeg ever or whatever, but the, kind of the second level of security that it's giving you a peace of mind. I think it's, you know, you know, makes me very comfortable. The second thing is, as Carter mentioned earlier, and you can comment again, is the fact that a lot of these, you know, the beauty about, you know, uh, Silk and UST, it, well, UST was, is the fact that it's not over collateralized, right? Over collateralized is not necessarily a good thing, because it requires more assets to to uh, to mint the stable coin, right? That's the whole point. Um, but having this basket as protection, I think, gives you kind of a mix of both. What, what do you think about that, Carter? Yeah, no, I, I totally totally agree from that standpoint. The over collateralized stable coins suffer from not being reflexive enough in contractionary and expansionary events versus algorithmic um, algorithmic stable coins and fundamentally token expansion in those systems are tied to leverage right versus token expansion for something like UST or silk is tied to demand for the stable coin itself which is a much stronger economic model long term I think it's much more um, sustainable I would also want to comment too that make no mistake stability of the peg has to be the highest priority of any stable coin protocol like Whatever you can do to make that 
as strong as possible and as decentralized as possible is key to real world adoption, right? Let's imagine a world where let's say like 2 trillion UST exist. Okay, let's like, let's really, really go above and beyond um, like the current current scenario. If there wasn't the guarantees of like peg protection, you could see a world where those legacy financial systems would be potentially fearful of exposing like certain clients to that digital asset that is supposed to be pegged to the dollar. So I think that's going to be the biggest question from bridging algorithmic stable coins to legacy systems is like, what are the guarantees that can be made about the stability of the peg? So that's one piece that I, I really like about Shape Protocol is it's not just the retail and institutional arbitrage players. You have an entire treasury of uncorrelated assets, as well as all of Shade's staking collateral is also devoted to providing stability to the larger system. And the reason we're capable of doing that is because we're not a layer one. Um, we inherit the security model of secret network as well as the consensus. So Shade staking collateral can be solely devoted to helping secure the peg. Whereas with something like Luna staking, it has to also serve this process of, you know, serving up consensus and securing the transactions themselves. So naturally there's, there's, there's trade-offs within, within these decisions, but I think prioritizing for stability of the peg as your biggest focus long-term will net the quickest and easiest path to the largest amount of adoption. So, Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's, that's another interesting uh, dynamic. Are, do you know, are, are we going to be able to pay gas on secret with shade or is it still going to require secret to pay gas? And so currently it would just be secret for, for gas. Mm -hmm. um, I do see a world in the future where whether it be front ends helping out with gas costs or whether it be secret network being open to SNP20s, being able to pay gas. We don't know for sure what that looks like. So it's definitely an interesting limitation and we'll have to get creative with it. So do that. Like I said, there are, there are trade-offs to being a layer one versus not being a layer one. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What about my next question is the kind of the, the overall ecosystem for shade, right? And this is not, doesn't just stop with a stable coin, you, you know, um, with everything else, I'm sure it has to get built. What does that look like in terms of a, the peg be the the use you know more use cases for silk the i guess the composability of the gsx smart contracts that you have to uh, that everyone has to deal with for ibc integration what does that look like well i mean i think the, I think the first step is making sure that secret network um is able to be snip 20 compatible with ibc um so that upgrade is pending uh, via like the protocol level team. And we'll, I think a lot of the different developer groups on secret network and projects are, are looking forward to that direct integration. So it's a, it's a work, it's a work in progress. And I know that all the developers that we're working with across the line, which I think we're getting close to almost 20 plus developers across all the teams on shape protocol, which is pretty, pretty crazy, but everyone's super looking forward to the next upgrade of, of Cosmosm for Secret Network and bringing that Snip20 compatibility and um, integrating as such. Fantastic. That's, that's really good to hear. I, I, you know, really bullish on the privacy preserving mechanisms of everything. And obviously, 
private privacy as a you know first instead of a middle layer i guess intermediary is obviously a much more secure way of handling everything chad you had a comment to say yeah um you definitely kind of covered this but just want to zoom in on something is like so what do you see as the core driver of silk demand like initially they like get it off the ground and get like a large supply so that the peg support can be strong like obviously what we saw with ust was like these strong use cases like anchor protocol and mirror and you definitely touched on this a bit but um just want to kind of go into that a bit more like what's like the the rollout of like how to make and, and obviously silk has like a, another feature immediately which is privacy so that's already like a demand thing but just curious like how you kind of think about that initial scale up phase yeah i really think i think i split it into three different categories interchain demand demand locally on secret network as a layer one and then exogenous use cases that are tied to you know essentially uh, like web two right so the first one is the one we want to solve the most for um actually that was the second one Essentially, I believe Silk will scale with Secret Network. So as Secret Network realizes its its full potential, Silk will be moving in lockstep with it for all the different DeFi applications that are being built out here as we speak on Sienna and Secret Swap and Shade Protocol um, and others to come. So similar to Terra, you have to be able to design compelling use cases that leverage the power of the stablecoin. Um, the immediate need for Silk is very apparent, though. Secret Network needs more stablecoin liquidity. Um, the ecosystem has done what it can to attract stablecoin liquidity um, from interchain setup. But I think um, being able to natively generate Silk as a stablecoin will massively fill the void. So that's Secret Network, right? Interchain side of things, I think that comes after the initial rollout of Silk on Secret Network, and we see it start to solve a lot of the liquidity needs across DEXs. And that looks like essentially bringing Silk to something like Osmosis or Gravity Dex or somewhere on Polkadot, wherever Silk can go and essentially bring accessibility to the larger Cosmos ecosystems and cross-chain ecosystems to um, this really unique stablecoin in the form of Silk, the better. And probably the most important one that Terra absolutely, you know, hit home runs on is the exogenous demand um, with something like Chai, right? Where you have everyday consumers using an app, um, taking advantage of, of the stable coin without even really knowing or being hyper aware that they're interacting with the blockchain. So you have to do all three in parallel. I do think that solving secret networks problems has to be first and foremost on the stable coin side. Um, but make no mistake, it's it's not a one or the other. It's it has to be in parallel. So, and we definitely have plans to do so. Yeah, no, that's it, it's crazy that people don't realize how robust Secret Network is at this point, right? I mean, in reality, this has started as Enigma, and then now it's called Secret Network. It's not just you know people are slowly realizing what it is today, but it's been around for a long time. A hundred percent. I mean, the Secret Network community. I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, just like the organic growth we've seen on the developer side and, and within the community is nothing nothing short of shocking, having been here ground floor for, for quite some time. Um, and specifically like NFTs on Secret Network, 
the amount of artists and creators that are flocking to Stash. You should definitely check out Stash. It's a secret NFT marketplace. You have privacy-preserving collections, privacy-preserving NFTs, and all the advantages that come with that. But we're seeing users begin to choose Secret Network versus other platforms um, because they care about the privacy and because privacy at the end of the day is also utility. And the, the, as people are slowly starting to understand this, once you make the jump to privacy and it's cheap, it's affordable, it's interoperable, why would you ever go back? Yeah, on that, um, just to like a, a noob question, like how does one kind of like <laughs> enter enter privacy like for the first time right like let's say you've just been doing stuff on terra or you're doing stuff on like you know you're crossing chains with thorchain and stuff and you're you're all over the place you're on centralized exchanges like how does somebody become private <laughs> like what's kind I mean, of like that's a, that's a it's a it's a really good question and the first thing i'll respond with is there's there's degrees of like levels of privacy that you can achieve and the the safety measures you have to to take to achieve that, right? Um, but if we're talking about like a baseline level of privacy in terms of preserving the privacy of your transactions, preserving um, the privacy of your data that exists within um, the applications on a network, um, your easy, your best first step is is buying secret somewhere on. I think I think Osmosis is probably the best place right now. Um, bridging it to secret network converting it into secret secret or just keeping it as secret and starting to interact with all the different uh, privacy preserving applications. So can you it's, clarify, it's like, uh, can you clarify secret versus secret secret? <laughs> sure. So secret is the gas and governance token of secret network. Um, secret secret is the privacy preserving of uh, version of secret network. So you can think of it as like you have your base layer token, that's transparent in the form of gas. And then on top of that is all the different smart contracts that exist. Um, in this case, secret secret is what we call a SNP20 token. Silk is also a SNP20 uh, SNP token. So it's Shade, so it's CeFi, so it's Sienna. Um, in the instant you have these SNP20 tokens and they start interacting with different smart contracts and different applications, there's that's where the privacy comes in is on the contract layer. And on the gas layer though, there is transparency attached to consensus and staking, which is actually very helpful from like a compliance standpoint as well. So it's a really, it's a really interesting, really interesting hybrid. The, the real secret, he's, which he's not going to tell you because I, I don't think he wants to get in trouble, but I will, is what you do is this. You make three accounts. <laughs> oh, you make boy. three accounts. You get some secret pizza. And you and uh, you move your secret secret to the secret pizza account, and you're done. So the, you the long what he's explaining is there's a Discord channel where you can request gas, and you can essentially use it, an anonymous Discord account, see the wallet, send it somewhere else, and it's like about as close to a completely private seeding of a wallet that you can get. Although recently, there is a person that released a tool known as Black Box on Secret Network. That should allow it's essentially like a mixer built on top of secret network, which is crazy because it's like already privacy by default, but then it adds this whole layer of privacy for like converting secret to secret secret. And um, that tool, I believe we wrote about it in it was the roadmap recently talked about it. And that tool just just came out. I'm on mobile right now, so I can't link it. But the TLDR is 
the tools to seed privacy on Seeker Network are being built out as we speak by community members, which is which is super cool. So to attempt to maximize and make that process as easy as possible. Damn, I didn't even know about that. Um, another thing that you know, Chad is a massive ThorChain, like massive, you know, really bullish on Rune and ThorChain and whatever you know, and that network. And he's also bullish on UST, and I've I've been kind of shilling him on the privacy preserving. Right, the whole thing with ThorChain is the privacy preserving aspects in terms of not using a a centralized um, exchange, and you can you know play with your Bitcoin on on what's it called on ThorChain. But in reality, if you're talking about pure privacy, doesn't doesn't Silk sound like a much better alternative to the privacy preserving i you know fundamentals of thorchain um i mean i guess when, when i think of thorchain i'm not thinking only of privacy i'm thinking of like the cross chain capability and stuff like that but um i mean silk is definitely intriguing me in terms of like a a ust alternative that is private and like all the kind of opportunity to um to like ride that growth through shade by like kind of the burn to mint and like betting on this new ecosystem. Um, you know, I, I'm new to secret and I like, I'm just kind of being introduced right now to like a lot of what's going on there uh, and yes. trying to take it all in and getting excited about it. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure I see how it's like a, like I, I'm not sure I see what you mean about like comparison, comparing with Thorchain uh, on that, but uh it's definitely exciting what's going on and uh, another whole interesting world. And I'll, I'll say this, like, welcome to the family, first off, because the rabbit hole <laughs> And please, please jump down the rabbit hole. But on a, on a higher level note, I want to make it very clear that at Seager Network, we're, we care about privacy preserve, preserving solutions across the line, wherever they live, whether that's Seager Network or Monero or Zcash. Like, we love privacy across the line. And so... I always get nervous when people start making privacy preserving solution comparisons because it's like we <laughs> right now we live in a world where you know like 98% of blockchains are completely transparent or whatever obviously that's I don't know what the exact percentage is but like we as a privacy community need to be uniting around this this privacy narrative um stories are powerful and I think the uh that this story is going to gain more and more traction over time. And the best way we do that collectively um, as a Web3 community is, is to band together under the privacy privacy flag collectively. So I just wanted to add in that asterisk because it's, it's not it's not one versus the other. Like it's, it's, it's all the privacy solutions working together and growing this story and, and bringing awareness to the problems of these totally transparent blockchains. Totally. Yeah, I'd have more to think through here, but I would imagine this like all works together really nicely. You know, for example, like, if you have native Bitcoin and then you're like using ThorChain and then through aggregators, like going all the way into secret secret and then doing stuff over there and then going all the way back to whatever other chain you were like needing to do something on. Like, it seems like it all, it all plays together pretty nicely. Oh, totally. And actually one of my, one of my favorite bridges that exist is secret network actually has a, a Monero bridge to secret network. So it's, it's a privacy to privacy bridge. So I'm, I'm, I'm secretly extremely bullish on like all the privacy chains connecting, but that's, that's one of my personal long-term dreams. Whirlpool cash coming, coming next week. <laughs> what was that one? What'd you say? Whirlpool, I'm, I'm, I'm working uh, on one. 
but I can't. I, we were going to work with uh, Carter here, but uh, there's some smart contract work that needs to happen. Probably Q2, we'll be able to connect to a secret network. And uh, Whoa, it'll be alpha leak, sir. Yeah. Is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no one here that really cares and knows what I do, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'm looking at the smart contract wise, we should be able to connect to secret and move EVM to Cosmos, uh, completely private. And thanks to Carter's and secret network, you know, we can even add another pri- layer of privacy there, so. So cool. Yeah. <clears throat> there are some of the best developers I've seen in the ecosystem. They're amazing to work with. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the dev team and there's a small, it's a small community, but it's like, they're really, really growing. That's just my, you know, at the same time from the validator p- perspective. I mean, if you look at the way that they're scaling, it went from like having a minimum of 5,000 secret. Now the minimum is like 40,000 secret in a month. So it's absolutely absurd how fast Secret Network is gaining traction. And for the right reasons, not for the wrong ones to be, I, you know, I think that that's another clarity. The privacy isn't to like hide any kind of illegal activity, but you know, to be able to protect yourself from any kind of you know, real world physical attacks and um, to be able to you know, spend your money in a decentralized, secure way. That's, that's my personal take on it. I don't need my Uber driver like- or... Uh, you know, the guy buying my hot dog to know my whole personal history. Right. And on a direct DeFi utility standpoint, Secret Network is extremely front-running resistant. Uh, like totally transparent blockchains like Ethereum, like MEV is a yes. very intense problem. And if you thought single-chain MEV was bad, wait until multi-chain MEV. Wait until multi-chain <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, no, it, it, it's like we're at the earliest stages. And so the beauty of like Secret Network is like, a DeFi application like Secret Swap or Sienna or any of the shade primitives in the works, like we just don't suffer from that problem in the same way. It's just so everyone on these transparent chains are like trying to solve like desperately engineer solutions to try to solve these transparency problems. And Secret Network's just like, nope, like our applications, like we're good. We don't, we don't really, we don't suffer from that. Um, another example I like to give is like on MakerDAO, um, all of these different leverage positions, their liquidation. Point are publicly visible. So you can have whales that just essentially can impact price and try to cause mass liquidation events, cascading events, right? You port that type of like lending product or leverage product to your network and you have privacy preserving leverage. So an institution could take a massive position and not have to worry about a bigger whale knowing about like the size of their position or where their liquidation point is. So there's like really tangible utility that comes on the on the DeFi side of things. And I, I could talk about you name a vertical in the world that we care about. And I promise you privacy brings brings like a level of utility. Um, I also want to circle back to what you said uh, earlier about like the adoption growing recently. I want to attribute it to like three three different things that I think it's good to bring to everyone's attention. So the first one is a front end framework. Uh, a, a validator called Stake or Die put together via a secret grant gifted from Secret Labs. Um, something called Grip Tape, and it's a Vue 3.js framework that integrates with Kepler super easily, and it makes spinning up front ends way, 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 way easier, right? So that's framework number one. Framework number two, we have things like Polar, which is a contract development framework that's emerging on Secret Network. So 
I think that's the biggest sign. You want to know when an ecosystem is thriving and growing. Look to the ecosystems that are building out tooling for developers, right? That's yeah, the totally. green light. That's, that's when you know that there's like legitimate organic growth happening across the community when developers are building tools for each other. And the third variable I think that has been extremely important is um, it's, it's like, uh, I think the Secret Foundation has done an unbelievably good job of growing awareness and awareness and marketing around the Secret Network ecosystem. And um, finally, like the community itself, like everyone's united under the same ethos of privacy um, versus a lot of other chains are stuck with the ethos paradigm of like, our ethos is price go up. So when price doesn't go up, we kind of fade away, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, first of all, you're fighting my bag in terms of cross-chain MEV. I'm not going to spill any alpha, but, you know, hopefully I have still some time to, uh, you know, make some money there. Um, but, yeah, I can totally see <laughs> large-scale institution and massive whales would love to hang out and make money on secret because no one can copy trade them. I, I think we've discussed that before. Yeah. Uh, but cross-chain MEV hopefully will still be a thing, even with secret prospering. Um, Hopefully you don't you know start spreading that gospel too much um but i also think the nft scene has blown up uh at an insane insane rate that at more than you know people don't realize you know I, although you know open sea everyone knows but stash has been you know growing in you know it, there's so many projects launching and it still doesn't feel like there's you know a flood of you know it's not overbearing yet yep i i'm tracking the number of NFT collections and I think I think in the last from like mid-December to end of January I think the number was about 35 to 40 NFT collections which to go from like zero to that number and like really compelling collections and I think uh, the Tarantino um, NFT sold for 1.1 million right so we're starting to see some some significant capital coming to the ecosystem specifically from the, the collector side of things super cool yeah totally so. Any like other projects to to name drop? Like I have not looked at secret NFTs at all. <laughs> like I, I'm curious, like what's actually what's actually legit or interesting, and not just like more random copy. <laughs> just like you know, yeah. I I'm in one of those positions where I'm a community leader, so I, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name drop like specific <laughs> ones in the name of neutrality. Uh, the only exception to this rule is like my, my portrait is an Anon. And so, but that, that was like the first NFT collection on Secret Network. So that's one that's pretty safe to name drop just from the historic standpoint. But uh, unfortunately, I'll, I'll have to answer with DYOR. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good answer. And what was the, what did you say was like the, what's the go-to marketplace to, to look at? Stash.co. Yep, stash.co. And it's, that's it's like the type of sound. That's how you spell it. Great URL, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You can They're say, a good yeah. team, too. They're a great team as well. Well, well actually, I'll say this. The, the person, I think I, I am allowed to say this. Um, the person that designed the uh, SNP20 token standard, which is like used across the line from for DeFi, is one of the core contributors and builders of Stash. So it's like, I think that's always like a really good, amazing stamp that should be recognized when you have like that good of a developer focusing on an application it's like whoa i'm watching that thing i guess yeah no totally i, I guess the the biggest collection that i've seen 
Um, obviously, the anons, they have these re redacted rabbits. The rabbits are pretty, pretty big. Um, we have this, I think, Secret Bull Run's another really big one that I've seen. They have a lot, dude. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. And they're all really interesting. They have some really interesting games because of the privacy-preserving uh, parts that Secret's able to offer. So you can see, and you know, you can see something that, see parts of the NFT that a, the person doesn't own it can't. And that's actually like a really, really dope thing. If you really mm -hmm. kind of think about it in terms of a collector standpoint. And so like, like the simple, yeah, yeah, a super quick example would be like, you buy a secret NFT and then locally you're able to decrypt your NFT because you own it. And so then you can get uh, like a Telegram link or a Discord link that only, only you have, right? And that link exists on chain, but no one else can see it because of the encryption feature. So you buy the NFT, you gain gated access to a community that's based off of like an on-chain piece of data. And then if you trade away your NFT, people have set up the NFT so that you get auto-booted from that room. And the new owner of the NFT is able to decrypt, see that new recycled link um, and gain access. So there's like really interesting edge cases emerging attached to access, access controls. Damn, that's really interesting. Yeah, that adds like new functionality for, for NFTs built in. That's really cool. Yep. And I think we're at the earliest stages of like figuring out crazy badging, badging systems, um, having certain components that every time you pass it to a new owner, some new feature, some new art component gets modified or changed. Like there's, there's like really cool, cool stuff. And um, yeah, definitely the secret NFT rabbit hole is worth, worth going down. Will do. <laughs> uh, yeah, back to like, so on, on Shade and Silk, um, can you give any idea of like sort of timeline sort of things? Like what's going on now? Like what's sure. coming? So essentially the timeline right now is the multi-chain airdrop is happening on February 21st. So that goes out to uh, Luna, Secret, and Atom stakers that stake from November 7th to um, December 13th. It's a very long snapshot period. Um, after that, there is this one or two month period. It could be slightly longer where we essentially finalize audits attached to the biggest contracts, like essentially treasury contracts, governance contracts, staking contracts, silk contract, conversion minting contracts, all the different components. We go through a very, very serious audit phase as well as um, stress testing and uh, incentivized bounty bug program and once that completion once that once that is complete silk then is released to the world and and it's the point of point of no return so um as well as shade staking governance bonds all that fun stuff so on a in a more shorter time frame we are finalizing an audit for the secret staking derivative contract and hoping that that will be out into the wild by early um march so yeah awesome very cool um yeah this is probably a good time to maybe open up to uh questions from anybody if people listening want to hop up and ask anything for to carter um maybe as we wait for people to request like any any like any exciting things we didn't touch on here oh and also sorry but i'll uh I'll also pick the random zero x ventures nft winner here in a sec and also, another one will go to somebody that asks a really good question. So, yeah, feel free to request. And, and yeah, Carter, anything we didn't touch on? 
Oh, I would just want to say like thank you to all the the listeners that carved time out of your day to listen to us talk about secret network and privacy and like thank you to the hosts for doing such a awesome job with this. So yeah, I hope you guys check out the secret network community for sure. Join the shade protocol community, follow it on Twitter, shade underscore protocol. And yeah, looking forward to some Q and a let's do it. Cool. Bringing up uh, mercury here. Might take a second. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Can hear you. How's it going guys? Thanks for uh, talking about everything today. It was really good space yeah totally thanks for listening yeah of course um so i listened to your whole crypto cedo uh interview carter and it was really good and i just wanted to ask you mentioned something about a multi-part uh airdrop of the airdrop how it's going to be like in a couple yeah. parts and i was wondering if you could expand on that totally so the first component of the airdrop drops 20 slash 25%, actually blanking on what number. And that's the initial circulating supply from the airdrop. Tokenomics get fully released on February 21st, all that's out there. And then when Silk goes live, the rest of the airdrop essentially gets unlocked, the the remaining 80%. So it essentially has this, uh, it's a reason for people to come back and actually use the application itself. And naturally, this is tiered tiered progression of unlock based off of interacting with staking, conversion minting, using Silk, transferring Shade, right? Like there's all sorts of getting the user familiar with the protocol and then locking the um, actual Shade itself. In addition to that, anyone who doesn't claim from those, you know, those pools of tokens, there's the osmosis atrophy model that we are um, mirroring that goes back to the uh, generalized Shade treasury. So hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, perfectly. Thanks. Uh, ARTX, were you raising your hand? or was no, that, that was, you hit that, that by accident. accident. I, that was an accident. <laughs> I'm just waiting good. for someone else to come up and ask a brainy question. Yeah, um, we'll just say again, yeah, anyone can request. Um, I'm, I am currently trying to find a giveaway winner that actually retweeted the space. So I'm multitasking here for a minute. But uh, yeah, let's, let's question, get some questions Carter. up. What, uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on, you know, I, you're interoperable with everything, right? I mean, ETH, Monero, you yep. know, what about, I guess, Bitcoin, uh, you know, UTXL kind of proto- protocols. What's, what do you think about that? I got a perfect, I got a perfect answer for you on that. Oh, great. Um, you can look up a Shinobi protocol on oh yeah they they wrecked the network last week yeah yep yep they're over they're done they're doing a live beta test and assuming they can get everything locked in we're talking about a privacy preserving permissionless bridge from bitcoin native bitcoin straight to secret network and that bridge model can be generalized out to bitcoin forks so the tldr the path forward is there sweet so then you'll be completely interoperable right i mean I know that I'm definitely going to work with you in terms of building a bridge. You know, we have the light node issue, but other than that, try to build a bridge. IBC, con- you know, interoperability. You have Ethereum interoperability. In this point, you're you're basically taking a lot of, you know, you're creating this cross-chain DEX in a lot of ways, right? And I'm assuming CN and SecretSwap will be able to swap those assets. Totally. Yeah, no, it's, it's the speed of curve- uh, progression. It seems like the natural next step is all of this cohesive cross-chain communication 
uh, a culminating in an even better and more interesting application space in the world of DeFi. So very excited to see what it, uh, what it turns into. I mean, the, the big elephant in the room is lots of different bridges creates, you know, there's risks attached to different bridges. There's different levels of decentralization. Um, it's the problems of different bridging protocols talking to each other and different chains talking to each other. But it seems like these, these pain points, these are decade-long pain points to problem solve. And I think the exciting part for me is it seems like Seeker Network on the bridging front uh, seems to be at the forefront of, of, of rapid adoption, um, even compared to some other peers. So it's very cool to see. Got a question here from Tack real quick uh, from Xerox Ventures. He said he's listening on desktop, so couldn't come up. Uh, wanted to ask if they have any specific plans for taking Silk cross-chain outside of the IBC world, Silk on EVM. I guess we kind of just touched on that a bit. Uh, didn't read the question before, but um, yeah. I guess yeah, no, definitely. Would. It's it's definitely like... Um, th there's really there's really two, two scenarios, right? There's the... One, one camp would say, wait for the entire world to integrate with IBC, right? The other camp would say, nope, like continue to form one-to-one -one bridges from Seeker Network to other chains, and then also welcome in everyone that connects to IBC. Um, essentially, we will see what bridges get built out and who wants to come to Seeker Network. And whenever those bridges are made, Silk is ready to, to jump across and interact with the other ecosystems. So the, the core development team right now, to be fully transparent, isn't you know designed to be bridge builders it's very primitive building focused but hypothetically in the future that 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 could change if that became extremely high priority there's lots of different strategies you can take with stablecoin adoption and um ultimately we want silk to go places other people haven't yet and we also want to go where the, the users are demanding it which is hopefully everywhere that's still snip 20 integration the you know the issue is also with the light with the light nodes right i mean Yep. Yep. Well, when you lose, you lose private. You like you lose, yeah. you lose privacy. But the beauty is, like, um, Silk, and, and this is one. This is one of our core thesis, like one of our core goals with Shade Protocol, specifically with Silk. If Silk didn't have privacy, it would still be a revolutionary standalone stablecoin in its own right, due to the additional stability mechanism, as well as being pegged to a basket of global currencies commodities. So even when Silk leaves privacy. It still stands on its own, and that that was definitely the goals. And then Silk's coming to Picasso. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it is it is a really really dope um, stablecoin. Uh, I think. And come on, another... the brand the branding too. Like it's branding no too. no no acronyms or anything. It's 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 a globally recognized brand, in my opinion, right out of the gates. What's like the what's the thought process behind the the naming? Yeah, so Silk has a couple of of shout outs. Um, it has a shout out to the historical Silk Road, like the actual region of the world where Silk traversed. Um, it has a shout out to the Silk Road, uh, the internet marketplace that so many people have heard about in terms of some of the ethos behind Silk. Um, Silk flows. It's something that's smooth. It's something that's premium. Something that's desirable. If you ever get the chance, take a look at the the Silk logo. Um, we had to deal with this paradox of naming a stablecoin Silk, because to date, 
if you look at the logos of other stable coins, they're very like fixed and rigid edges, which is like symbolic of like stability, right? Um, and security. And so the Silk logo, it has the, this little S shape in the middle, um, representative of like a trade route um, or a road or a river. And then the two ends of this little S shape is fixed to the outside edge. And so we're able to achieve this effect of Silk being something that flows, but also something that's stable and secure. Um, it also takes the form of an S, which is the first letter of, of Silk. So a huge amount of time went into thinking about the brand and the logos and comparing against existing stable coins. And if, if you pull out the top 20 stable coins in the world of crypto and you put Silk smack dab in the middle of all of them, I promise you it stands out completely. It's extremely obvious that it's, it's, it's something special and unique without even knowing what it is. So. Cool. We got uh, two crooked pinkies up here for a question. Hey guys, appreciate it. Uh, real, real quick, Carter. So is the is the greater vision as you look ahead, um, kind of building the secret uh, network into this stable, private, privacy driven sandbox that others can connect to and play in, as as per the example with Monero. So. I think whenever you're in like that type of questions posed, it's like there's 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 so much more to, to secret network and shape protocol than me, right? Like there's there's many different uh, visions for what secret network can be. Personally, as an individual, my my dream is that secret network is the privacy preserving hub of Web three, and that essentially means all of the significant like liquidity and applications that care about privacy and the people and communities that gather around those ideas, essentially flock to Secret Network and, and, and have those things live on Secret Network. I think within that dream, the interoperability narrative of privacy to privacy bridges is also something I'm, I'm super, super excited about. But that's my individual dream and, and there's, there's way more to the vision of Secret Network than just what Carter is, is hoping and dreaming for, so. Awesome, I, I appreciate it, man. Yep, thanks for the question. And I think we're over, I might have a commitment. So I think I'll round things out by hearing, by saying just be sure to follow Secret Network on Twitter, um, join the Secret Network Telegram community, get involved on Discord, become a secret agent. The program has been completely overhauled. It's super dynamic now. You can meet people from around the globe. We have 20 plus different languages, channels. Find your home on Secret Network. If you're excited about the ethos, you're excited about building, um, the people are there and we welcome you with open arms. And uh, once again, thank you, of course, to Zero X Ventures, um, your support for, for Shade Protocol and um, having, having me on as a guest. Always, always, always a pleasure. Sweet. Yeah, totally. We did just pull up Chad Bearford, uh, technical uh, dev at ThorChain. If you might be able to squeeze in one quick question, could potentially be really interesting. Okay, sure. If, if you really we, can, got we, can take, we can take we can take one more quick one. I'll, I'll do the best I can. I want to give a chance to this. If Chad's got if Chad's got a question, would be awesome. Oh, I, I don't know if it's quick though. <laughs> if you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> no, we'll I'll do it. We'll do it. Some, some details on how how should we works because it's uh, obviously a topic that I'm interested in and curious about. But if if you gotta go, I, I gotta I gotta respect that. Yeah, I'll say the, I can link you, Chad, if you want to DM me on Twitter, I'd be happy to like link your white paper. And I also have a direct line of comms with their team. So if you have any specifics about how they pull off the permissionless bridge, my best, my best TLDR is because we make the assumption that privacy preserving smart contracts are in fact safe. 
how the verification works is 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 only like this type of model they're using has never been done on a different chain because it wasn't possible. So they're definitely pushing the boundaries of what's what's possible with TEEs, hardware level encryption, and and, and bridge um, architecture. So happy happy to connect you. I can't necessarily give you the level of depth of information you you might you might desire, but I can connect you to it. Appreciate that. I'll I'll DM you. Awesome. All right, I got to roll out, guys. Have a good one. Everyone have a wonderful day. Onwards uh, and uh, upwards. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. And uh, thanks, thanks for, for taking an extra second. That, that, this was great. Great. Cool. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up then. Um, we will DM uh, the winners. I got to figure this out a little bit. <laughs> I'm still trying to find a couple here. But we'll just wrap the, the space up. And uh, the Xerox Ventures NFT winners will get DM from XeroxB. Cool. Thanks everyone for I tuning have the in. White paper too. Now. Thanks for coming, everyone. I can link you with the white paper as well. I'll, I'll post it on our Twitter. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Ox Ventures Shade Protocol Privacy Preserving Stablecoin on Secret Network Space, recorded on Wednesday, February 9th, two thousand twenty-two. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Luart. Luart is the first gamified NFT platform built on the Terra network. Luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience, all while earning you rewards just for being a user. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the community in the Discord server for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new NFT launches, platform upgrades, and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace. Are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more at luart.io. This episode of the Ether is also brought to you by Talus. Talus Protocol is the NFT platform for independent artists on Terra. Talus helps to provide artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the NFT world. With their V1 launch coming soon, Talus will be the place to see real-world art reflected on Terra. Be sure to join their Telegram and follow Talus on Twitter for updates on their roadmap, validator, and other Talus news. Find your next favorite artist on talus.art. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay. Checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, mother. Fucker, step the fuck back Doing a little magic Pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday And I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing Left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception The base stay blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties These sums of money that go to the record label Per playback Can seem insultingly small Many rights holders are making around Three quarters of a cent Each time someone listens to one of their tracks Leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. Can't even say they're making pennies, pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies per play. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We did. Didn't have any loose ends You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens 
when people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabbit dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music Spaces.